From the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, I'm your host, Christopher Calloway, for Creator Talks. Joining me for this final interview of 2019 is artist Emily Pearson. Emily's first professional work as a comic book artist appeared in The Wilds through Black Mask Studios with writer Vita Alaya. She followed that series up with Snap Flash Hustle, which was written by Pat Shad, which was also published through Black Mask Studios. Emily also contributed to two Kickstarters, both anthologies which addressed illness. The first of those addressed both physical and mental illness. It was titled Corpus. And the second, which addressed mental illness, was titled Everything is Going Wrong, Comics on Punk and Mental Illness. In just a few short days, we'll be ushering in a new year, 2020, So there's no better time but to discuss her upcoming project in 2020 through Vault Comics. It's titled Bonding. She's doing the art and it's being written by Matthew Ehrman. Bonding is part of Vault Comics new Myrid line, which consists of middle grade and young adult graphic novels. So Emily is going to explain what bonding is all about. We're also going to talk about where she lives in California, how that is a very conducive working environment for her. We're also going to talk about going to cons. One's coming up on the West Coast this year and how cons are kind of going outside of her comfort zone. We're going to find out why. And of course, we will kick back with the creator where I ask Emily all my fun questions. I ask all my guests who are on the show. And then Baby New Year is going to make an appearance towards the end of the show. I just decided to go with it, which led to further conversation between myself and Emily. So let's close out the third year of Creator Talks with my guest, Emily Pearson, artist. Here now on Creator Talks. Emily, welcome to Creator Talks. Hi, thank you. Now you are in California. Yes. I live in Sacramento area. When did you move to Sacramento? Two months ago. (laughs) My husband started going to school at UC Davis. We moved over here. What do you like about it so far? I've never been to Sacramento. I live in Davis, which is about 20 minutes away from Sacramento. It's really nice. It's a really nice small college town. There's a a lot of young people. It's kind of nice and quiet, and it's kind of got just enough energy for me, I feel like. I understand. We moved out the whole family to Las Vegas from Wilmington, Delaware, which is near Philadelphia. And we got here in June. So we've been here for several months now. And people say, ooh, Vegas. Well, you know, you go gambling. And I said, well, I've been to the Strip a couple times since I've been here, seriously. But I am so far north, 30 minutes. Like you said, where you are, it's kind of quiet. It's very residential. You know, it's peaceful. So it's nothing like the hustle and bustle and excitement of the strip it's pretty laid back yeah i feel like all the exciting people are living in sacramento (laughs) and you can go and visit them anytime you want and have fun but retreat to where it's peaceful for you yeah exactly is that conducive for you doing your work to have a quiet area without too many distractions i do like it yeah i like trying to get outside the house every now and then but i'm just pretty introverted so kind of like being left alone and doing my thing. I'm closer to California now than I've ever been, which is a great thing because as a kid, I was probably four or five. I'm watching television and I'm watching the Munsters, the old black and white on UHF of all things. I was enamored and infatuated with their daughter, Marilyn, on the show. And I told my parents and I told my friends, 
I'm going to California, Hollywood, and I'm going to see Marilyn. I'm going to meet her. And of course, the show's older already, so it's, you know, <laughs> they're not even shooting it. I'm like five, so how am I? I can't even leave the front yard. How am I going to go to Hollywood? <laughs> so that was my stupid thing I did as a kid. But she is still available, 83 and living in Utah, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> You still got a chance? No. Yeah, I got a shot. My wife might have something to say about it. My (laughs) kids will disown me, but you know. Have you ever said anything crazy as a kid that your parents just went, sure, of course. You know, and you just had your own ideas and no concept of the real world. When I told them I wanted to be an artist. (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean... (sighs) Not that I can think of. I'm sure there were times. I think there's just some time frame of when I was like a kid and I would just go through like different crazy careers I wanted to do. Oh, I wanted to be something new every week, a veterinarian, a songwriter, or an actor, something crazy like that. Oh yeah, my kids do the same thing. My youngest, (laughs) this is great. (laughs) I was filling out some paperwork with him. Well, first I asked him, how old are you? He said three. Good, very good. What do you want to be when you grow up? He said four. That's so cute. <laughs> Baby steps. My older son, eight, Nolan, he just he changes his mind. Now he wants to work in some kind of metal geology type work because he's been watching Iron Man, so he wants to be the next Tony Stark. That inspires him great. Kids change their minds. And when I was little, I wanted to be a farmer. I don't know why that never came to pass, but... Uh, here I am. <laughs> and here we are. And you're an artist. And I was looking at some of your artwork and a couple pieces that really struck me was you did one of a lighthouse. Is that an actual place or is that just from your imagination? No, I, I usually just take a bunch of different photos and like, oh, I like the shape of the top of the lighthouse on this or the windows on this one or so. So it's kind of like a mixed bunch of different ones. I assume that also some great skull studies that you did are from your imagination and pictures not from actual skulls no those are from pictures yeah thank god okay good (laughs) (laughs) well your comic work has really accelerated has it surprised you the amount of success you've had in the past few years how things just keep picking up the wilds was that your first pro work with black bass yeah. Studios? Mm-hmm. Yeah. with vita alaya and then you went to snap flash hustle also with black mask studios with pat shand and now you have something coming up 2020 bonding through vault comics this is big for you uh how has this all taken off has it been through networking through friends referring you how did you get from working with black mask to even now jumping over to vault i just don't know <laughs> i feel like 90 percent of it is twitter and talking to editors on there it's kind of crazy you think of someone like an editor at black mask or vault they're gonna be so annoyed if i try to talk to them if you just try to be friends with them and get to know them don't sound like you're asking something from them most of the time they just (laughs) they're pretty happy about that yeah be genuine because then you get friends too so it's a win-win if they say no anyway well you mentioned twitter and that's how you make a lot of contacts and connections And in the old days, people had to go around and show their samples at conventions or in person, go to the studio or go to the publisher waiting in the waiting room. When you were trying to break in, did you design a portfolio and then actually go around in person at events 
or to publishers to show them your work, something outside of the social media channel. I actually did that after I broke in. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. The first con I went to was about a month ago in Pasadena called Lightbox Convention. It's a convention of a bunch of different media artists and production artists and all that. There was a bunch of portfolio reviews, but most of them were for like animation or video game companies. And there was like one for comics. So I was like, okay, I got to go talk to him. <laughs> and yeah, I showed my portfolio to him and he's just like, are you working professional? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so it was, I got to talk to uh, Ryan Souk. He's really nice. And uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name wrong, right or wrong. So I'm sorry if I am, but yeah, that was a really cool experience. That's a great thing to hear. Are you working professionally? That's the <laughs> yeah. best thing you can possibly hear right off the bat. The people that were there showing their portfolios around you, was anybody dispensing advice to them? Or were they just kind of going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we'll call you? It was mostly advice, yeah. It was mostly like going to get your portfolio review it wasn't about getting hired. It was just mainly about this is where you can take your portfolio to where you can't get hired in a few years. And this was your first con? Yeah, yeah. Since I was like really young, this is been my first con have you been to a comic con when you were younger yeah like 15 or 16 i went to like some ones that i don't remember the name of but nothing too big does that intimidate you going to a big con i mean i don't go to huge cons like i go to big ones but not i'm not a new york san diego guy i mean it'd be cool but i'm a little intimidated by this the sheer amount of people and i'm a little claustrophobic in those jam-packed alleys is that something you just have no desire to do yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I think that's why I've put off going for so long. I, I like being by myself, drawing in the corner. I can't really even think about going to a huge con and seeing a bunch of people there and trying to talk to every single one of them. Have you been invited or do the publishers say you should go to this con and do a little promotional work? Have you been asked to do that? Nothing formally. It's kind of more of a situation where it's like, if you find yourself at one of these cons, like, Emerald City or San Diego or New York or something will get you a pass, but you don't have to go. <laughs> yeah, I know for some creators I talk to, they're like, yeah, I'd love to go if they'll invite me and have me as a guest. Put me up because it's expensive. It can be very <laughs> expensive, especially when you're trying to get work done, but you still have to lift your head up and look at people in the eye and engage them and have a discussion because that's the first impression you're going to make as a person. So you want to spend some time with your fans and people wanting to know about your work. But at the same time, it's a long day. You're really exhausted. And there's a lot of germs, which could take you down for a while. <laughs> it's rough because it's just like you have to take the time off from work. It's really nice from my experience going to the one con. But it's also just like this is a lot of energy. And it's, you know, it's like three or four days usually. And then you usually get sick when you come home. I don't know how some people do it. The creators that go... They work all day and then sometimes they'll have a special event in the evening like meet the creator or they'll have some kind of banquet or something or a award ceremony. That's a long day and you know when you have fans around you're on. You have to be on. You can't just crawl in the corner though I'm sure some people would just love to. Now you plan on going to Emerald City next year? Yeah. Yeah. And you've never been? No, I've never been. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> Me neither. I'm looking forward to it because I've never been out west until now where I'm living here. So it was never an option to hop on a plane and fly out to a con. Speaking of flying, probably would not fly at home because of the expense. I mean, I had the opportunity being on the East Coast to go to Baltimore and Heroes, which were great cons. Highly recommend those. And if you ever get a chance to go... 
it'll be like an Emerald City where it's not super jam-packed, where you can't move. There's enough room to talk to people and spend some time chatting and networking and having a good time. So it's a much more comfortable environment. I think you might like something like that. So I think you'll be happy with Emerald City. I've never been, but I'm really looking forward to it. It is on my calendar. Plus anything else that pops up in the California area because never been there for a show. Are there any that you know of out in California that would be a good one to plan for 2020 to attend something that you would recommend it's hard to say since i haven't been to any there's a lot in sacramento okay there's i think it's called wizard world mm -hmm. so sacramento comic-con there's san diego comic-con but that's i've heard that's really busy there was one that was a stan lee's con and it's not named that anymore but it's in la i believe so that's a mm -hmm. possibility i don't know how big it is or has been but that's something i may check out but i'm talking about cons and i want to talk about what you have coming up i mentioned bonding through vault comics it's coming 2020 it's from me and matthew Ehrman. if you're not familiar he wrote Long Lost, and he wrote Care Bears, and a bunch of different cool stuff like that. He's hilarious and weird. <laughs> He's colored by Kaylee Davis. So it's a sci-fi horror romance about people falling in love, but the whole world, everyone in it has these uh, parasites hanging off their chest, look like slugs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and lovely. It feeds off the plasma in their bodies, and it's all about mental health and trying to be in relationships while you have mental health problems and issues. It's a really nice story. It sounds like real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides that one, I mean, you did contribute to some other books that did have to do with health and mental health. It was Corpus and Everything is Going Wrong, comics on punk and mental illness. So tell me about your contributions to those and how you got hooked up with those projects. I actually just got my comps for Everything is Going Wrong. So it's kind of cool. Corpus is by Nadia Shamas. I think I did my six-page short with uh, my friend Stephanie Cannon. That was just a short story about... I can't say too much without spoiling it, because just read the whole thing and then you'll see what's in there. That was really sweet. It's another sort of mental... Some of them are physical health stories. And then uh, Everything is Going Wrong is by Mark Bruchard, which was great. It's also a buddy of mine. Um, and I don't remember the writer that I got paired with because I didn't know him beforehand but he did a great job and we did this very weird punk creepy horror imagery story it's very spooky visuals I'm not sure how to put it and you can't give away too much it's a short story so you would ruin the surprise in other words if you yeah. gave away too much and being visual you have to see it to get it did those projects mean something special to you and if so why yeah um I think mental health stories are really important Matthew and I decided to do bonding. It's hard to tell a mental health story about being very depressing and making someone who is going through that thing feel depressed, especially having an anthology of a bunch of different creators who are all going through physical or mental health problems. It's the ultimate feeling of not being alone. This book is a bunch of different people who have all been through the same thing, and they're all doing art and sharing it with each other. So I think that's kind of a special thing to have. The great thing about these stories that you're contributing to and working on is that mental health is something that people talk about more now than they used to because they would mm -hmm. be stigmatized. But even so... There are some people that do not want to talk about it or maybe don't even know that they're suffering from some form of it, be it depression, anxiety, and they think they're alone. But when they read these stories, 
even if they're sci-fi horror, but there's still a message in there about mental health and relationships, maybe they can see something of themselves and not feel so alone, or it would help them to better understand how they're feeling and may even start to talk about it, or maybe even just sharing the story with somebody else who feels the same way. So it really does help bring this issue that a lot of people suffer with under different forms to light so it's no longer being hidden so they can be helped. Yeah. Over the years, has anyone told you that your art has evolved or do you feel, just looking back, you know my art's evolved and if so, how? I feel like if anyone were to draw every day for a few years, like there's no way you can see evolution and progress with it. I feel like I've gotten a lot of inspiration from people who aren't comic book artists. Like I know of a lot of people that are aspiring concept artists and stuff like that. They've inspired me to do stuff that I wouldn't have really thought about otherwise and trying new scenes and learning to paint. So yeah, I think a lot of where my art has changed has just come from the people I've been around and like the themes I've been inspired by. Now, what are some of the themes that inspire you and who are some of the people that inspire you? God, it's so much. You get inspired every day just walk outside and there's something new to see. I feel like I have a lot of friends in comics and outside of comics that are making great art. <laughs> like, I think, you know, Liana is how we got connected. And Liana is like the coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, she is very she's, cool. She's super cool. And she's just a bunch of different people like that. And then getting exposed to any forms of media through video games or movies or other comic books or anything like that is always inspiring. Do you think that looking at things like and enjoying things like video games and people that you know doing other forms of art outside of comics really helps you with the art that you're doing in comics? Yeah, I think so. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in a mindset of comics look a certain way and they have a certain style to them. I feel it doesn't have to be one thing or the other because I've seen many different types of comics like animated comics and uh, parallax comics and it's just you would have never thought to make it like that before you know and vice versa taking comics as inspiration into other medias of art illustration is really important you say you're a rather shy quiet introverted person for the most part and like to work alone you have a certain comfort zone that you like to work and operate in but when it comes to your art do you find that you're more comfortable going outside of your comfort zone and taking some chances in what you produce. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I get really bored of sticking to like one style or just like one look for my art. I try to experiment as much as possible and try to find new things that I'll like. Because I feel like if I stuck to one thing and did it over and over again, I wouldn't enjoy it as much and it would become more of a chore. And you could also get typecast. Yeah. yeah. Like Gilligan, right? I mean... <laughs> If you do one thing all the time, people see you as this kind of artist or that kind of artist. But you do a lot of different things, and you've done a lot of covers, too. I mean, for example, you did uh, some work on The Devil Within with uh, Stephanie Phillips. Yeah, Stephanie's a great writer. I just talked to her last week. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Stephanie Cannon was also on the show. Oh, that's awesome. You have some pretty cool people that you work with. I'm sure they're all cool because the people I've talked to have been great. And you also have some cover work with another publisher. Yet again, Action Lab going to the chapel. That was actually wonderful because Lisa Sterl and Sweeney Boo, we all did covers for it. 
and then um, he put all of our covers in order for the issues. Lisa did the issue one, and then I did issue two or three or something, and then Sweeney did the other one. <laughs> it's really cool, because when it showed up on the Comicsology page, we were all in a row. So uh, what else do you have in the works that you can share? I can only talk about bonding right now there's other stuff i'm working on too maybe by the time emerald city rolls around you might have some more things to announce yeah hopefully this part of the show i call kicking back with the creator just to learn more about you just some fun questions they can be about comics they don't have to be but it's more just to learn about you as a person so people get a better understanding of who is emily who is the person behind the pen behind the pencil the brush namely implement do you mainly work digitally now I work most, like, all digitally. So it's behind the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> Stylus. Okay, so when you're not working hard at your art, what do you like to do for rest and relaxation? It's so weird. I just draw for fun, too. Um, <laughs> I play video games sometimes, and I'm pretty into reading novels and comics and all that. I mean, what more can yeah. you ask for? If I had the time to do all that, I'd be very happy. I'd get it in when I can. <laughs> now, thinking back, what was your favorite birthday? And why? I don't know if I can remember any of my birthdays. Wow, they were great, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, so hard. I have such bad memory. <laughs> well, was there one that made a particular impression on you? It didn't have to be your favorite birthday, but it's one that you'll never forget that one. My dad and my brother and I went to San Francisco when I turned 18. And I live pretty close to there, so I've been there a lot, but kind of got to do you know all the nerdy art stuff i wanted to do going to the moma and stuff like that so it was pretty nice san francisco's pretty cool i've been there a couple times always great weather there being along the bay oh it can get really cold sometimes <laughs> it can i mean i'm talking like in the summertime it's really nice there along the bay now hypothetically speaking this is the situation you're stuck on a deserted island you can have one book or a set of books related in some way it can be a book, graphic novel, comic, whatever you like to read. What do you want to have to read for pleasure? This is kind of cheating a little bit, but I actually started reading the Wheel of Time series. That is like the longest book series I've ever read. <laughs> it's like 15 books or something like that. So I think just to entertain myself, <laughs> I would have the whole set of that. Are you going to finish the whole thing? I mean, that to me would be pretty daunting, a 15 book set. Are you able to finish whole sets like that? I mean, is it pressure on you? I don't know yet. <laughs> um, maybe. I think I'm going to try. And um, I've heard kind of mixed things. It kind of falls off in the middle or so. So I think I'm just going to keep going as long as I can stand it. You know, myself and fellow comic readers, we have these stacks of books that we want to read, the ones that come out. And then there are the back issues that we find. And then there's all the reference guides that we find, these great books that get put out that go over the history of comics and books about creators. And we have this problem where we have our nightstands and our desks just piled up with stuff we want to get to. Yeah. And it takes discipline to say, okay, uh, I'll have to buy that digitally because I'm running out of space. You know? <laughs> <sighs> when I just moved, I left so many of my comics behind. It hurts so much. <laughs> oh, no, no. Were these books you had since you were little, like you first started reading? I didn't start reading when I was little. I started reading when I was about 14 or so. So okay. it's like none of it has like childhood sentimental value. I think I just took most of my favorite traits with me. And then I left basically all the single issues, which kind of sucked. <laughs> well, they take up a lot of space. Well, I have to ask, what are some of your favorite traits that you brought with you? I've read literally all of Saga because I just couldn't leave that behind. I've read a lot of it. I haven't caught up yet, but I have read a lot of it. It's, it's my favorite by far, I think. I can see why. 
I'm really into Low. It's got really good art to it. I just started reading recently Isola. Beautiful book. Yeah, I'm really into like the fantasy, otherworldly stuff. Now that you have left your floppy comics, as we call them, <laughs> are you still getting those besides your comp copies? Or are you sticking to the trades? The comic book store that's here it has some good stuff. It's selective. There's not a lot that I would pick up. So I think most of it I just get on a iPad. I mean, I do a little bit of both because of space issues. And I try to discipline myself so I don't get back to my old habit of buying these stacks of like 10, 15 books, which is really expensive. Because the thing is, I'll get through them. Because I can't have them sitting there. I don't want to fall behind. Because if I fall behind, then that tells me that I'm really not that interested in reading that book. I'm lucky now. The place that I am since I moved, I did find a good place. And they do have a really good selection. Very diverse selection. And they had a sale. It was like, I think all the books on the racks were a dollar. Well, that's dangerous. Because I picked up a few. And I was like, wow, Lois Lane's really good. Uh, I have to get that. And just, you know, so it sucked me in. Another hypothetical situation. They're going to make an action figure of you. <laughs> what would be your accessory that says something about who you are? If I had to, it would probably be like my drawing tablet and then a bunch of loose bobby pins because if you look at my bedroom there's just a ton of hair ties and bobby pins like scattered <laughs> all over it's like mine they're not my hair ties but it's like mine <laughs> what is your favorite beverage when you like to relax oh man have you ever had a calypso before no what is that it's just lemonade brand of lemonade i'm really into it. it's got a lot of in it. It's pretty good. <laughs> Very natural taste and feel to it. Yeah. Is there something that really gets under your skin, grinds your gears that happens on a given day? And then what makes you happy again? So to break it down, what kind of things bother you? For me, I'll give you an example. I'm driving along and the person in front of me throws out a cigarette butt out the window. <laughs> Can't stand that. Keep your trash to yourself. I don't care what you want to do, smoke, but just don't throw it on the road. And then things that make me happy. I might say, man, I'm bumming. I'm going to put on this CD. Yeah, I still have CDs. I want to put on this CD or play it on my iPhone, and I'm in a good mood right away. It actually reminded me, I hate it when people are tailgating you right up against your car. Yes. <laughs> or like... They get mad at you for waiting for pedestrians. How dare you? Just something like that. Just aggressive drivers, I guess. And then I honestly just, just drawing. It always puts me in a good mood. Sometimes if I'm just like feeling bad, just forcing myself to draw will always help. Well, that's what you like to do. That is your relaxation too. Of course. The aggressive driver thing, I'll tell you, I see a lot of them where I am. And I don't know why it is because I'm like, look around, look at the mountains. What are you so uptight about? You know, <laughs> and I would be going to work every day on the freeway and it would get to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. So I started taking a different road that was the old freeway. It's a little slower. There are red lights, but it's predictable. No one's jumping lanes. No one's cutting you off. You know, like I'm not losing a layer of paint. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just fine with that. And I, <laughs> I feel much happier when I get to work. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, taking country road highways over, like, a freeway or something can make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I don't care if I save five minutes. I'll give myself five more minutes, you know? I mean, I don't need the stress and the danger, you know? I just, I'm afraid to leave for the day. <laughs> it's a little crazy sometimes. I don't know what gets into people. 
I don't yeah. know. We're all going to the same place. Work, usually. You're going to get there. Just relax. Relax. What is the oddest job you've ever had to pay the bills, make a living? You know, just something that a lot of people don't do, but it's unusual. Do you have a job like that you ever did? Besides, like, stuff I've done for freelance art and comics, I think maybe I worked at camp, like a family camp for a summer. Wasn't that weird. <laughs> um, but it was just kind of an interesting experience, like living with your coworkers for a bit. I never really had any odd jobs. I mean, I guess the most unusual was I was a caddy for a summer between sophomore and junior year or something. The nice thing was you were paid cash. You would carry two bags. And if you were lucky, you'd get to go out twice. <laughs> so you do 36 holes. And how much did I know about golf? Zip. And there's nothing worse than the golfer finding that out. Now, most of the times you were just carrying and handing clubs. And they say, Caddy, how do you think that breaks? You think it breaks this way? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. <laughs> Sometimes you'd be lucky and someone would come out and they would do 18 holes in like two and a half hours. They were great. Then you get someone who does it five and you're like, I'm not going out again. <laughs> so that was odd. Nice outdoors, but a lot of gnats. Yeah. Do you have any regrets about the one that got away? Now, what I'm referring to in my case, a comic book got away that I wanted to get. I was like, meh. And now I look back and go, oh, I should have grabbed it when I had the chance. Or it could be a piece of art. I've talked to guests that, oh, yeah, I saw some Kirby art and I didn't buy. And I'm like, what? And they told me how much it was. And I was like, what? So <laughs> is there anything that you've thought about getting? And now you're like, I wish I got that. Oh, my God. It's the biggest. <laughs> um, it's not that crazy. But Brian Q. Miller, he wrote the old Batgirl comics with Stephanie Brown. And that was my favorite when I was a teenager. He did like a Kickstarter comic with Marcio Takara, which is one of my favorite comic <laughs> artists. I'm pretty sure it was exclusive to Kickstarter. And I didn't pledge it. I think it was like... 16 or 17 at the time i've never seen this before like i don't know if this is a good idea and oh man i really wish i did now <laughs> <laughs> sometimes those things wind up in diamond once they have enough of a print run and they show they have an audience you're saying this was never available after that i kept looking i could never find it i might have to, to try again sometime <laughs> just to see if they have any like <laughs> eight-year-old copies lying around see if you can get his address or contact him through email and say <laughs> ryan Big fan. Do you have one? I work in comics. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you wish you knew when you were younger that you know now? And I think an answer like that is going to change for people throughout life. But looking back, do you go, boy, you know, I wish I knew this. Because like for me, it'd be like, I'd save a lot of time and a lot of aggravation if I just knew this. If I had more of a direction of what I wanted to do, if I could just tell myself, it's like, oh, okay, you actually really like comics and you really like drawing and you're really into all this stuff. It would have saved a lot of confusion, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> yeah. growing up. How was your family about you deciding to become an artist? What was their thoughts and feelings about that? I think they always kind of secretly wanted me to be. And I feel like that's why I did it for so long. I was just trying to like, no, it's like what they want. It's not what I want. I think they're pretty happy about it. It's gotten to the point now where they're just like, all of my relatives don't know what I do for a job. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I make comics. Oh, like the newspaper comics? It's like, no, it's like... <laughs> really? a it's like I can't explain to them what a comic book is. Really? Yeah, it's really weird. It's like me trying to explain a podcast to people in my family. Oh, what's, no. What's that? That's a, well, 
<laughs> let me show you. You got a phone? Okay, let me show you mine. <laughs> I remember talking to uh, Adrian Wassel about it, who runs Vault Comics. He just can't explain his job to anyone. It's just like, you know what comic books are? I help people make those. <laughs> what do you do? But yours is pretty straightforward to me. I mean, like, you're an artist. You do comic art, too. You do more than that. But for people like me and, and my wife, it's like our jobs are not just like, I make cars. I'm a butcher. I'm a candlestick maker. I'm a baker. You know, it's hard to explain to someone who's not in the business. I think yours is pretty clear, but I, wow. I still get some people for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, how do you measure success, your own success? When do you say, well done, or I've done what I wanted to do? How do you measure your own success? I feel like it's hard for an artist, especially with growth and getting better at art. When you improve, your standards get higher and you're just like, oh, I found out about this amazing artist and I have to try and get to that skill level or else I don't know how to draw. And it's just like this constant uh, ladder. I feel like you just got to try to figure out what you really want, not necessarily I want to be drawing comic books for DC or Image or Marvel or I want to be doing that. It's just like, why do you want to do that stuff? For me, it's like, I just wanted to draw all day and I wanted to have that be my career. And so if I'm doing that, I feel successful and try and not think about like <laughs> crazy comparing myself to other people or the highest possible success I could get in comics. It's just mainly what I, I want specifically to do every day, I guess. The best thing to do is set goals for yourself that you try to exceed, not measure yourself against someone else. Yeah, exactly. My son's just starting to figure that out, and we're very happy to see that he's interested in getting good grades, not because he wants to be better than anybody else, but like, I got to be. I'm like, that bothers you. We're not like riding him. He's starting to want to make certain goals and meet certain standards for himself. You know, it's not coming from outside. It's just like, I want to do that. I want to obtain that. And it's just like playing sports. He's kind of like me. He's like, I didn't really do a whole lot of team stuff, but I wanted to set a goal and try to beat that goal. You know, try to reach it or exceed it. I like that. That's pretty healthy. If you try to like... For it could apply to anything, but like for example, if I like try to like make art that will make everyone will like think it's good. It's just like everyone that reads this will think it's good. I can't read other people's minds, so I no. have to just no. just try to get it to the point where I'm happy with it and just work towards that. You can't make everyone happy, no matter even like the best movie. You might love a movie, and a lot of people love it. There'll be someone that doesn't like it for whatever reason. So you're not gonna get to everybody but you have to be satisfied at the end of the day are you a perfectionist i mean or do you know when to say that's good because i know for some people they'll keep tweaking something and tweaking something and tweaking something it's like hey look you got to put the pencil or stylus down. It's a deadline, you know? Are you able to say, okay, I'm good with that at this point. That's that's what I want. A little bit. I used to be a lot worse. <laughs> You're I, learning. I feel like it's actually interesting because I just got an iPad recently and I got Procreate and Clip Studio and I'm trying out new programs, like stuff other than Photoshop. I find myself going back to that where I'm like tweaking it until it's perfect. So I think me not having like the comfortability, I know how Photoshop works and I've done this a million times before. So it's, I'm already comfortable with it. So you can have multiple versions and keep tweaking unlike pencil and paper, or ink and paper. As you go, you're kind of stuck with it unless you do white out and stuff or you do blue line first and then ink it. 
but you can go back and tweak different versions, right? Yeah, it's you could just like if you see a part you don't like, you just erase it a little bit and keep going. Makes it a little tougher to pump the brakes and say that's good enough. <laughs> you can yeah. just keep tweaking and tweaking. At least it's a little quicker that way. Well, Emily, it's been a delight discussing with you comics and your work and your work ethic. It's been great. And I'll be at Emerald. Hope to see you there. See some more of your work. And I hope we both have a good experience at the con because it'll both of us be our first time attending Emerald City. So hope to have a good time. And I can hear from the whining of my son. (laughs) (laughs) It's about that time, folks. He's hit the wall. At the time of this recording, we just had the daylight saving time back to standard time. So, like, you know, we're all so tired at 8 o'clock. I'm like, why am I so tired? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. My body's saying it's nice. Time to wind down. And he still hasn't figured that out yet. He's just learning how to go to potty. And he's figuring out. We had Halloween, right? He got candy. So now he knows if I go, I get candy. So now he's like, I have to go again. So he'll go like three times in a half an hour. It's like, all right, all right. (laughs) So my wife's giving him like one M&M because otherwise he'd be on a sugar high. <laughs> That's so funny. I do that with myself, but with comic panels. <laughs> like ah. if, I can, if I finish a comic panel, I get a piece of candy. So I'm just basically like a little kid. So <laughs> it's gotten to the point now where it's like, if I don't have it and I draw a comic book panel, it's like, I'm looking around for it. Like, where's my piece of candy? <laughs> <laughs> Emily, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being on Creator Talks. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really fun. All right, folks, that wraps up another year of Creator Talks. Now, technically, I started over three years ago. My first show was after Thanksgiving in 2016, but I'm going to use the start of the new year, 2020, as the beginning of year four. And I'm going to start year four with a new guest, Dave Chisholm. He is the writer and artist on Canopus coming out in February 2020 through Scout Comics. Now, I don't know if you've heard of the book, but if you haven't, J.H. Williams III has given it his endorsement. So that tells you something about the book. So if you're not familiar with it, there's still time to reserve it at your comic shop. Look it up, check it out, and then come back in two weeks to listen to that interview with Dave Chisholm, the creator of Canopus. We discuss many things besides the book, He also has a doctorate in music from the Eastman School of Music. So we're going to talk a lot about music. He's a trumpet player, a professional trumpet player. And he also did a graphic novel about a trumpet player called Instrument. We'll get into that as well. And he also teaches drawing classes. So he's a very talented individual and a lot of fun to speak with. So I hope you join me in two weeks for that interview, which will kick off season four in 2020. Thank you for listening to this interview. And if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Voice Enabled Devices, YouTube, Spotify, just about anywhere out there that can carry podcasts. And if you would, please do me a favor, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you already have, tell a friend about the show, have them check it out. And if they like it, please ask them to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. And to correspond with me, you can email me at creatortalks at gmail.com. That's creatortalks at gmail.com. 
Well, I hope you and your family and friends enjoyed the holidays and have plans for this coming New Year's Eve. Please be safe out there on New Year's Eve and enjoy your New Year's holiday. For Creator Talks, this has been Christopher Calloway. Until next time.